The makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Purine and Press Cooking Fast, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, Maple Margarine and Niblet's Cheese Twists present the Epic Taste Book. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. When Harold Spencer was found slumped over his desk with the back of his skull cracked open, the brutal murder made sensational newspaper copy. Yet his death was more than something for the reporters to write about or his relatives to grieve over. He was a world-famous philatelist, known to stamp collectors the world over as a man of great integrity and the possessor of a personal collection that was reputed to be worth a fortune. Why all this? Well, it was a case which I shall long remember for various reasons, particularly because of the characters involved. Let me tell you about it. I've called my story The Conjurer's Illusion. It was the murdered man's wife who reported the killing. She telephoned Bedford Row Police Station who in turn sent an immediate signal to the murder squad at Scotland Yard. Car speaking. Operations here, sir. Murder's been reported. Metropolitan area? Yes, sir. Bedford Row Station just came through. Uh, Mrs. Sheila Spencer says that she found her husband with his head bashed in. Bedford Row. Spencer? Uh, not Spencer the stamp dealer. That's right, sir. The station has sent out a couple of men. What's the exact time? It's uh, 20 minutes past, sir. All right, I'll be over. Spencer's at 18 Bedford Row occupied a building worthy of the quiet dignity of the profession. Luckily, my good friend Dr. McPherson was already on the scene. As I emerged from the police car, it seemed difficult to realize that I was about to gaze upon a victim of a savage killing. Queen Anne gabling, the latticed windows, the almost ecclesiastical entrance, all contributed to the atmosphere which conveyed the quiet dignity appropriate to the pursuit of stamp collecting. Good evening, sir. Evening, Constable. Dr. McPherson and the lady are in the office. It's just along the passage, sir, where the light is showing. Thank you, Constable. Uh, here comes Inspector Carr. Oh. Hello, Inspector. Hello, Mac. Mrs. Spencer? Yes. My poor Harold. I did suggest to Mrs. Spencer that she went home, but she insisted on staying. Thought she might want a statement. Well, there's no need to detain you here, madam. Let me send you home in a police car. We'll take your statement. Please. No. No, no. I want to make my statement now. The Congo issue. Gone. They, they've killed my Harold. And they've told... There's no doubt about the gentleman, Mac. Uh, none at all, Inspector. He's dead all right, I'm afraid. All right, madam. Uh, if you are ready to make your statement, may we start at the beginning. How long have you been here? I got here just after 11. You see, I'm so worried. Well, just a moment. You got here just after 11, and then what happened? How did you let yourself in? I have a key. I work here with my husband. We went home together, had an early dinner, and then Harold decided to come back to work on the Congo, personally. To... Stamps? Yes. 
What time did he leave home? Just after 8 o'clock. He promised he'd be home by about 9.30. I tried phoning him. Well, it was just after the 10 o'clock news. I kept phoning. I I must have picked up the receiver and dialed at least a dozen times. Then I got panicked. I I called a taxi and came over here. I let myself in the key. I see the light was on in Harold's office. Opened the door and... What did you do then? I I was afraid to touch him. I I didn't want to believe what my eyes told me. I phoned the police right away. You're quite right. You say that you arrived just after 11. Yes. You said something about the Congo issue, something about it being stolen. It has, Inspector. It is not here. Is that all that's been taken? I don't know. But it was a mistake. It's gone. The safe was as old-fashioned as the building and the office furniture. It was one of those combination safes, worked on the rather prehistoric gear and click principle. I knew at least two dozen cracksmen with sandpapered fingertips who could crack it in less time than you could say, Congo. You see, Inspector, they've all gone, all of them. But uh, if your husband was working on them, they wouldn't be in the safe. I don't know. Do you know, this Congo perforated issue was worth over a hundred thousand pounds. That is the entire Archer issue. Archer? Uh, I see you know nothing about Philately. No, I'm I'm afraid not. Uh, Let me explain. Congo was one of the first countries to be given a perforated issue. An Irishman named Henry Archer invented a machine. They experimented with this new Archer perforation, which means easy tearing. But something went wrong, and the entire issue was withdrawn. One of the greatest collections, if not the greatest in the world. My husband was preparing it for dispatch. It had been sold to Gregor Papadoulos. Was the collection insured? Oh, yes, of course. Don't you understand? This is the first and only Lumumba issue. It was obvious that the bereaved woman was stunned by a double loss. Whether the loss of her husband was more overwhelming than the loss of the Congo issue, we were yet to find out. But there could be no mistaking her distress. Mrs. Spencer, there's nothing you can do here tonight. Why don't you let me send you home in the police car? Perhaps you'll allow me to call on tomorrow. Oh, you must find that issue. But poor, poor Harold. We'll do our best, Spencer. You've got to find who did it. I suppose I talked more about the Congo issue than the murder of my husband. We've been married for 20 years. And I loved him with all my heart. I'll leave now, Inspector. Good night. With the departure of Mrs. Spencer, we began our search for clues. Not that I had much hope in that direction. Those who plot the theft of a hundred thousand pound stamp collection are hardly likely to leave clues around. Particularly when they're prepared to murder. By the time Dr. McPherson had finished his examination, we were ready to leave. Use your blunt instrument. Yes, possibly a hammer. Struck down at approximately 9.30... Do you mind if I arrange for the removal of the body? No, not that. We're just about to. Did you get anything? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, we have. Oh? Come over here. 
It's quite incredible, isn't it? Everything securely barred and bolted in the front. And look at this window. Leading out into the alley. That's right. All that was needed was a thin nail file and up goes the window catch. The killer closes it and walks out of the front door as large as life. Disguised, I'll bet. And there's something else, Mac. Whoever climbed through that window was wearing a woolen coat. A fine thread of wool, this. You never know. And that's something we din into every would-be detective. Never ignore the slightest possibility. You never know. Back at Scotland Yard. All right, Jackson. The lab should be able to tell us the kind of wool this is, the sort of mill it came from, and if the fates are kind, the name of the manufacturer who made the coat. The fact that there might be a hundred thousand similar overcoats is something we won't think about right now. I get busy. All right, sir. I'll get through to criminal records office, see if there's anything under the name of Harold or Sheila Spencer. Right, sir. And get X-Branch to let it be known that the whole metropolitan area has been alerted. Right, sir. Be in the interest of the underworld to tip us off if they hear anything. They don't like impetuous characters who add murder to their snatchings, okay? Yes, sir. All right. I don't suppose I'll be wanted again tonight, but if I am, I've gone home to get a little shut-eye. Yes. A uh, call has just come through from Bradford, sir. Uh, the woolen thread? Yes, sir. The labs worked on it last night. Hmm? It's the most expensive kind of wool there is. Bradford Wool Industries, sir. Never used in mass production, only sold in lengths. Oh, that's a help. Now, more than that, sir. Labs say that this came off a skein that was only milled two months ago. The entire output was only six dozen lengths. Went to Levy and Anderson, Samuel Rowe. Come on, what are we waiting for? Yes, that is quite true. We have an exclusive contract with Bradford Wool Industries. It's a very expensive material. Well, I want the names and dresses of every one of your customers who's had an overcoat made up of this material in the last two months. Uh, but, sir, these things are all... Oh, come on, Mr. Fuller. Uh, We've no time to waste. I left Jackson to collect the information and had a talk with the head of X-Branch. Oh, no. We have our list of those who might be concerned in receiving sparklers, paintings, antiques. But, do you know, I doubt very much if the underworld has such a thing as an organized fence, specifically for stalling stamps. Well, why not? Oh, I know they're hot. But if the boys are willing to risk stealing a Michelangelo or a Picasso, if there are rich enthusiasts willing to pay hundreds of thousands of pounds for something no one will see except themselves, which they know to be stolen, why not a megalomaniac keen on stamp uh, Why not, indeed? All I'm saying is that neither Interpol nor the FBI nor ourselves are aware of any stamp-thieving group. <sighs> Not that the wide boys are averse to lifting a costly specimen if they get the chance. But uh, that's something else entirely. Oh, I think I'll have a word with this year's president of the Royal Philatelic Association. Yes, I read about the murder in the theft. Terrible business. It is indeed, Sir William. You've spent over 30 years. 
It was at their wedding 20 years ago. Great loss to Philatelis. There goes a phone. Be a good chap and answer it for me. Up with this arthritis. I'm not as spry as I used to be. Certainly, sir. Hello? Inspector Carr there. Speaking. Oh, is that you, Jackson? Uh, sorry, sir. I didn't recognize your voice. Uh, there were only 14 overcoats. We've investigated 13 of them. There's one to go. Huh? Ex-Brant told me where you were, sir. So I thought I'd phone you right away. You see, a coat of the wool was made for Sir William Lasbury. I see. All right, Sergeant Jackson. Thank you. Uh, for you, I suppose. Yes, William. Well, I think I'll be getting along now. Uh, that was a nice overcoat I saw in the hall stand. Uh, should be. Deuced expensive. Oh? And you, it was worth it. You don't get wool like that very often these days. Under the pretext of admiring his purchase, I looked for the slightest tear. It was there, all right. There was no doubt that the thread of wool taken from the scene of the crime came from the overcoat belonging to the president of the Royal Philatelic Society. Sir William, a murderer. The thought was fantastic. Yet if there was one thing we members of the force are taught, it is that a suspect must be treated as such, whoever he may be. There's something on your mind, Inspector. What is it? Uh, how long have you had this overcoat, Sir William? Not very long. Ah, here's my man. Uh, he'll be able to tell you. Phillips, sir. Uh, when did I take possession of this overcoat? Oh, uh, eight weeks ago, sir. I've still got the delivery chip. Why, sir? This is Inspector Card, you Scotland Yard. Oh, good day, sir. Phillips has been my prop, servant and friend for 30 years. Shrewd Sir William. He could tell that I was after something and that the overcoat was exciting my thoughts. If he didn't wear that coat on the night of the murder, who did? Phillips was about the same height. And yet... Are you interested in philately, Mr. Phillips? Oh, I couldn't be working for Sir William all this time and not be, sir. And this overcoat, Sir William, uh, has it been out of your possession at all? <laughs> Good heavens, no. Uh, with respect, sir, it has. What about the time when you left it at the Guildhall? When was that? Well, the same night he got the coat. You remember, sir? Uh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> Seemed a bit chillier earlier on, but by the time I left, it was such a pleasant evening, I forgot my coat entirely. What date was it? April the 23rd. April the 23rd. And you retrieved the coat the following morning. I went and got it, sir. Well, since the murder was only committed three days ago, that's not going to help us any. Uh, if I may say, with all due respect, sir, Sir William is a most absent-minded gentleman. Yes? He's left this coat lying about so many times. Oh, just a minute, Inspector. Um, only last Tuesday. <laughs> I said the overcoat was like some conjurer's trick. Now you see it, now you don't. What do you mean by that? You remember, sir? When you had that conference here last Tuesday. I do. Uh, what of it? Well, sir, you know the following morning your overcoat was gone. It was, was it? Yes, sir. It came back by special messenger Thursday morning. The gentleman took it by mistake. Jackson, find out the name of the messenger who took a parcel to Sir William Lasbury's address last 
Thursday. And I want a list of all the members of the committee who attended the conference at Sir William's residence on Tuesday night. Right, sir. In the meantime, I'll have another word with Mrs. Spencer. Mrs. Spencer, you said that the Congo collection had been sold and that your husband was preparing it for dispatch to Athens. Yes. Yes, that is so, Inspector. Was this common knowledge, was it publicized in the newspaper? Oh, no, no. We kept secret. In fact, the only person who knew was the president of the society. What's new, Inspector? Is there any hope? The murderer has been a little too smart. We'll get him all right. That I promise you. With the collection? Well, that depends on a number of things. You're quite sure that no one knew of the sale other than Sir William Nasriel? Quite, quite sure. We have no employees. There were just the two of us. I did all my husband's correspondence. I Thank you, Mrs. Spencer. I'm sorry to have disturbed you. If there's anything else you can think of that might be of use to us, you can reach me at the yard. luck with the London messenger officer. Huh? The youngster who delivered the parcel didn't do it officially. It says he was stopped in the street, given ten bob, and asked if he would deliver the parcel around the corner. Ah, I thought something like that had happened. Couldn't recognize the man, I suppose? No, sir. All muffled up. Mm. Well, the kid was so bowled over by the ten bob, he didn't stop to look at the man in case he changed his mind. Well, I'll have another word, Mr. William. You know, sir, climbing through the window like that, striking Spencer, was the act of a, a desperate man. Supposing Spencer had turned round a second earlier, supposing he was seen. Somebody wanted to get hold of the Congo collection quickly before it was sent to Athens. Uh, did you know it was going to Athens, sir? Uh, of course. It was the duty of Spencer to notify us of such a sale. All members are honor bound to keep all societies up to date as to the movements of unique collections. Spencer told me, and I informed the committee, or swearing them to secrecy, of course. And by now you'll have gathered that the murderer was wearing your overcoat. I suspected something of the sort. I have to ask you, sir, where were you at approximately 9.30 last Wednesday night? Where all men of my age should be, at home. And I can tell you something else, Inspector. If that is the time Spencer was killed, Phillips has an alibi, thank goodness. Huh? He was here. We played chess together until I retired at 10.30. And gets a little lonely as one enters the winter of one's years. I suppose you're thinking of the possibility... I'm thinking of the possibility that the two of you planned the robbery. He gives you an alibi, you give him one. I'm thinking that... I don't think anything of the sort. If you say Phillips was with you, then that lets him out too. Oh, you do now. Question the members of the committee. I was giving a lecture at the university. Why do you ask? Wednesday night at nine thirty. Extraordinary question. I was in bed. I'd gone to Stratford to see the Merchant of Venice. 
Despite an appearance of vagueness and absent-mindedness common to a certain type of intellectual, the members of the committee were men of a high intelligence quotient. It would have been easy to fake an alibi if one went to sufficient trouble. Mr. Angus Buchanan, for example, who said he was at the cinema. He could have left unobserved and returned within the space of half an hour without anybody being any the wife. Jackson, I want every member of the committee here at Scotland Yard at 6.30 this evening, with the exception of the President. And don't take no for an answer. What is it? And I want that messenger boy here at 6.15. I've got the idea, sir. All right, lad. It's up to you. Now, Sergeant, those that go out will take that door there. You understand? Yes, sir. Send Mr. Angus Buchanan in. All right, sir. Go in. Now, tell him, please. Oh, there you are, sir. I I've still got the parcel. I couldn't deliver it. Parcel? What parcel? Deliver where? Well, all right, right Sergeant. Want... Take Mr. Buchanan through. I send Mr. Master through. All right, sir. Go ahead. This way, please. Oh, there you are, sir. I couldn't deliver that parcel. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, sir, the coat you asked me to deliver to Brook Street. Overcoat? You must be mad. All right, hold him. Mr. Masters, we're holding you for questioning in connection with the murder of Harold Spencer. James Masters dined at his club that night. That was his alibi. It was but a quarter of a mile from Bedford Road. Borrowing Sir William's overcoat the night before in order to create a false trail, it was he who climbed through the window, killed Spencer and stole the valuable collection. Of course, he deliberately caught the overcoat on the beading of the window pane. Not only did young Fred recognize his voice, he trapped Masters into giving himself away. Did you notice it? Perhaps the final nail in Masters' impending coffin was the porter at his club. Oh, yes, I recognize that overcoat. Mr. Masters was wearing it last Wednesday night. Yes, we had enough to secure a conviction, particularly when they found the collection wrapped in brown paper in Master's private safe. I was rather amused at Sir William's question. Yes, I can't understand, Inspectors, why you were so sure I was innocent. We philatelists can be quite fanatical. Well, that was an easy question to answer. Could you? And what about the murderer's slip of the tongue? Did you notice it? It was this. You know, sir, the coat you asked me to deliver to Brook Street. Overcoat? You must be mad. Now, the messenger never mentioned overcoat. I knew that the murderer would be the only one to react violently to such a statement, and that proved to be the case. Masters was so shaken at the sight of young Fred Cousins that he lost his control, and that was the beginning of the end. Oh, uh, the moral of the story. Keep away from other people's postage stamps. You'll get licked in the end. Good night. Good night.
The Epic Tastebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet's Cheese Twists, with Hugh Ross as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our Epic Tastebook.